0: Fuad Masri is an author and lecturer, was born and raised in the war zone of Beirut, Lebanon. He's a third-generation pastor. He's a passion for sharing the love of Christ with Muslims, spent most of his life doing just that. In 1993, he founded Crescent Project to nurture transformational relationships between Christians and Muslims and overcome misconceptions about Islam and Christianity. He's trained more than 18,000 Christians to carefully and purposefully share their faith with Muslims. He served as a guest instructor at several universities and Christian ministries. He's been featured in several media publications. He's the producer and teacher in the DVD study, Bridges, Christians Connecting with Muslims, uh, which is available today. Flaud is also the author of the Injil. Injil is the Arabic meaning New Testament. Is the in New Testament, Injil Corrupted, and another book, Ambassadors to Muslims. Flaud holds a bachelor's degree in mass communication and an M.A. from Fuller Theological Seminary in Islamic Studies. He lives in Indianapolis, Indiana with his wife, Lisa, who is a good friend of Union Chapel, and is here today. I hope you'll greet her after the service uh, and their two children. So please give a warm Union Chapel welcome to Fad Masri. Hi, buddy. Thank you. There you go. Good
1: morning. It's great to be with you in worship this morning. Um, It's great to be back in Union Chapel. My wife, uh, Lisa, is in the front here. She went to school at Ball State. This is her home church, and I'm indebted to Pastor Greg and Sister Beth for taking care of my wife. We've been married 21 years, and we praise the Lord for how he used our lives to share the gospel with others, and uh, we've been to the Middle East and m- multiple times, but it's great to be with you, my name is Fav Masri, I work for a ministry called Crescent Project, our goal, we believe that we have a hope worth sharing with Muslims, and that hope, the is, name is Jesus and many times people say, why do you want to share the gospel with Muslims, because the next slide says John chapter 10, verse 10 it's an Arabic calligraphy, and Arabic calligraphy is kind of fun, our culture is very nice culture, we have a lot of art in the Arab culture, but Jesus says I have come that they might have life, and have more abundantly this is not about a training it's not about a club it's not about a ministry it's about what jesus says jesus the son of the virgin mary said i have come that they might have life and have it more abundantly that's why we want to tell the gospel to muslims that's why i want to show them love because our messiah our leader our king says go tell them that i have come that they might have life and have it more abundantly now, it is the 21st century, so we have to use PowerPoint. The next slide will show you the city of, uh, that I grew up in. I grew up in Beirut, Lebanon, during the war zone. And in the inset of the slide there, you can see the map of the country of Lebanon. Lebanon is a small country. It's not a big country. It's the size of Connecticut, but we make a lot of noise, so everybody hears about us. My dad is Lebanese, and my mom is Syrian, so you can say I've been a hostage all my life. Until I came to America as an international student. My mom doesn't like that joke for some reason. (laughs) And my name is Fawad, which means a loving heart. If you can't say Fawad, call uh, call me Joe, but Fawad sounds like quad with an F. Um, And um, if you gentlemen, you want to give a rose to your girl, say this is from my Fawad, this is from my loving heart. But the war in Syria is very close to our heart today because uh, my mom is Syrian. I have cousins in Syria. I have cousins who fought in the Golan Heights. And the news from Syria, you only hear that in 30 months, they had 110,000 people dead. Well, the figure they're not reporting is there are more additional 240,000 people missing. They're missing. They can't find the body. It could be that they were shot in the desert somewhere or they were incinerated in a bombing. So really, in 30 months, 250,000 people have lost their life. And we don't hear about that. So the, I grew up in the, in the war zone of Lebanon. My mom is Syrian, as I said. And the, the Middle East is always on my mind because I, I have family uh, members there. Uh, now, growing up in Lebanon, uh, my heart was hard. Because um, the war started April 13, 1975. Some people say, why do you remember the day? Well, I was in junior high. I had a math homework due the next morning. And that evening, the Palestinians, the PLO, started bombing East Beirut. I lived in West Beirut. And the East Beirut had the Lebanese militia, and they bombed West Beirut. So they started bombing each other, and the newscaster comes on television and says, school is canceled tomorrow. I said, yes, no math homework. But it started the darkest tunnel of my life. My best friend, Walid, we played soccer together at age 18, walking on a Saturday morning, 9 o'clock, smoking a cigarette, and a bombing by the PLO killed him. I hated Arafat. I hated the Palestinians. Arafat would pass behind my house every night at 9 o'clock with his tanks, with his jeeps, going to the fighting lines. From 1975 to 1982, and I grew, as a teenager, I grew hateful of the Palestinian people. The worst thing about the war was the multiple things. But for the sake of time, share a couple of things. Car bombs. Americans, you get the news lines, you know. You get, by the way, you get 90 seconds. Great. Thank you very much. You get 90 seconds. Five minutes commercials, but 90 seconds. You know, buy our shampoo, but God forbid we can know what's going on overseas. You know, you hear about car bombs. Car bombs, they take a Mercedes or a Renault or a Cadillac, any car, they pull the upholstery, they put dynamite, and then they put bags of nails. And then they time it, it could be seven in the morning, 12 at noon, four in the afternoon, and then they park it, maybe in a street where it's busy, or in front of a university, or in front of the embassy, and then it explodes, and the problem with the car bombs, not only the damage, it's the mental terrorism, because you'll be walking, you don't know, is it this car, is it this car, is it that car? The other people I hated were the Jewish people and the Israeli jets will fly over Lebanon. I hated them. I told you my cousins fought in the Golan Heights. I lost second cousins in the war and my solution for the Middle East crisis was to take Palestinians and Israelis to a desert like Arizona. Let them fight there and whoever wins, give him the piece of land. Let's finish with it. Sadly, tomorrow there will be another car bomb because we raise our children to hate each other. So my heart got hard. And I decided I don't want to believe in God. But a friend of mine asked me, what happens if you die tomorrow? I said, well, I don't care. I don't believe in God. He said, but it's too late then. Whoops. What if there is a God? There's one guarantee on this planet. One guarantee Everybody will die, whether you invented Xbox or you live in Colorado. Whether you're in Beirut or Africa, everybody will die and you can't take it with you. Remember that bumper sticker, the one with the most toys wins? Wins what? You can't take it with you. So I decided to become an agnostic. That's a good word. Is there a God? I don't know. Is there a heaven? I don't know. I stayed like three months in that. I was like a little boat being tossed by the waves. And I decided, I said, no, if God exists, if God exists, then he must communicate. So I want to study different religions. So I was studying different religions and the life of different religious leaders. And Jesus was different than anyone else. Jesus is the only one who washed the feet of his disciples. If you read the story of the Last Supper, three times he asked Judas for reconciliation and Judas refused, so he told him, Whatever you will do, do it quickly. Jesus says, love your neighbor as yourself. Do unto others what you want them to do unto you. Love your enemies. Hello. Do you think the United Nations need to hear that? How about the Middle East? Jesus says, love your enemies. Do not repay evil with evil, but repay evil with good. Pray for those who persecute you. Jesus says, I am the good shepherd because I lay my life for the sheep. Oh, I want to follow the shepherd. And Jesus says, I no longer call you slaves, because a slave does not know what the master is doing. I call you friends. My brother, my sister, the Bible is the only book that says you and I can be the friends of Jesus. But that information was in the mind. How did it come to the heart? What I mean by that, the Bible says we should love God and worship him with all our mind. That's all your logic, your intellect. But then the Bible says, love God with all your heart. What does that mean? Heart is where your will is. You don't tell your wife, honey, I love you with all my mind. She'd say, oh, that's cute. No, I love you with all my heart. You're my one and only. So for this person, how? for me, how did it move from the mind to the heart? And maybe this morning you're here. Jesus is a savior somewhere. You believe he's a good guy. But is he your savior? Is he your messiah? For me, we have family friends. They were eating dinner. They have four children. The youngest was a two-year-old son. He spilled milk. So the father picks up the son, takes him to the bathroom to wash his hand. While in the bathroom, a mortar shell, this big, looks like the Goodyear blimp, came through the balcony door, exploded in the middle of the table. Killed the wife, three kids, just pieces on the walls. Our friend took a plastic bag and picked up the pieces, buried his whole family in one bag. And that was the trigger. That was the trigger to move the information from the mind to the heart. The problem in Lebanon was not weapons. Weapons don't kill people. People kill people. We've killed each other with sticks and stones and cannons. And now we have chemical weapons. We have now weapons of mass destruction. If you look at the human race, our history is filled with war over skin color, over money, over religion. The problem is not the weapon. The problem is the heart. We just had the worst chemical attack in 100 years in Syria. And what does the United Nations want to do? Collect the weapons. Really? Really? He's going to give us the weapons because we asked? Really? Come on. Let's listen to the news here. He's going to give us the weapons because we asked. And then once we collect the chemical weapons, it's over. It is not over. The problem is not the weapon. The problem right now is the heart, the human heart. They just had a massacre two weeks ago north of Aleppo. And the struggle we're in today is God is saying, come to me. And for me, I went to my room. I closed the door. I knelt by my bed, and this is what I prayed. I said, Lord Jesus, when you came to earth, you healed the sick, and you raised the dead. Forgive me that I hate Palestinians. Forgive me that I hate Israelis. Forgive me that I have a heart of hate. The more there is war in Lebanon, I want to be a soldier of peace. Peace. The more there is hate in Lebanon, I want to be a soldier of love. You changed my heart, and God changed my heart. I started praying for Palestinians. I started praying for Israelis. I grew up in a church that's five blocks from the seashore here. And we had a weekly prayer meeting for Menachem Begin, Saddam Hussein, Yasser Arafat, Muammar Kazafi. Because when you follow Jesus, when you are a true Christian, you don't see people by race. You don't see people by education. You don't see people by their net value, net worth. You see them as God's creation. And you want to tell them that Jesus has come, that they might have life and heaven more abundantly. This morning, I pa- promised Pastor Greg, we're going to look a little bit about the Middle East, what's, what's going on. Look beyond the news. We're going to share what is Jesus telling us as a church in this 21st century to do. And then I would like to give you a challenge this morning. The next slide is going to show you the 1040 window. You already heard a lot of statistics. But if you look at the Muslim world from Morocco to Central Asia. The Muslim word has banned the Bible. Millions of Muslims have never seen a page of the Bible. The Bible is banned in Morocco, Algeria, Tunisia, Libya, Sudan, Saudi Arabia, Yemen, Oman. Millions have never heard. Muslims are taught that Jesus was born under a palm tree. No. He was born in a manger. And there were shepherds. And there were kings. And the kings brought three presents. What are they? Gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Why? Because the next day the angel says to Joseph, go to Egypt, take Mary and Jesus to Egypt. What is the job of Joseph? He's a carpenter. Egypt is a desert. They don't have a lot of trees. How will he make a living? How will he take care of Mary and Jesus? From the gold, frankincense, and myrrh. People say, oh, the God of glory became a helpless babe. Really? Was baby Jesus helpless? Who was stronger, Herod the Great or baby Jesus? God never leaves his throne, my brother and my sister. But Muslims never hear that. On top of that, the religious leaders never study the Bible. So the imams teach them misinformation about Christ. They hear the name, but misinformation. We're giving out Bibles in southern Spain to uh, uh, Arabs, Algerians, and Moroccans who cross over the uh, Gibraltar Straits of Gibraltar. And we had a book table. And when they come, say Salam alaikum. Would you like a copy of the Bible? If they say yes, we'll give them a copy. Well, one day the table was next to the curb, and this car slows down. The driver had a bushy beard down to his second button. This means he's devout. He rolls down the window. I say Salam alaikum. He said, Wa alaikum salam. I say, Sir, we're giving the Angel, the book of Jesus. So he looks at me and goes, I am the Imam of Amsterdam. I don't know. I mean, he's a Moroccan, but I don't know if he is, but that's what he said. I am the Imam of Amsterdam. I said to him, nice meeting you. He said to me, have you read the Quran? I said, yes, 15 times. He goes, in Arabic? I said, yeah, in Arabic. Why, do I look French to you? I'm an Arab. (laughs) So he chuckles. He said, I read the Quran four times, but I've never read the Injil. I said, sir, may I give you the Injil so when Muslims ask you about Jesus, you can tell them what did Jesus teach He said, sure, since you've read the Quran, I'll take the Injeel. He drives away, and I'm thinking to myself, I am an evangelical minister, I've read the Quran 15 times. He's the imam, he's never read the book of Jesus. So when they ask him about Jesus, what does he tell them? Most Muslims are told that Jesus was just a prophet. They don't know the truth about him. Four months ago, I was in Fisher's, Indiana, walking in a Starbucks. My wife calls it four bucks. Four bucks. So I'm walking in there, there's two guys sitting, they look like my cousins. Said, Salamu Alaikum, one was a Syrian uh, real estate agent, he was not very nice. Uh, The other guy was a medical doctor from Palestine, he was a very nice guy, very nice gentleman. So we started talking, he said, what do you do? I said, I'm I'm an evangelical minister, so he said to me, uh, one of them said to me, well, you know, father, we believe that Jesus is a prophet. I said, uh, so, uh, do you read his book? He goes, no, we don't read the Bible. It's been corrupted. We read the Quran. I said, so do you follow the teaching of Jesus? He goes, oh no, we follow the teachings of Muhammad. So I said, you really don't believe in Jesus. It's like me, I say I believe in Napoleon. I don't follow Napoleon. He so, said, you know, he's just making a statement. You don't believe in him. If I went today to Washington, D.C. and referred to our president as Senator Obama, is that true? Can I say, Mr. Senator, what would he say to me? He'd say, no, I am the President of the United States of America. Whether I voted for him or I did not vote for him, I should refer to him as Mr. President, whether I'm a citizen of the United States or I'm not a citizen of the United States, I refer to him as Mr. President. Calling Jesus a prophet is an insult because Jesus is the word of God become flesh. He's the Messiah, he's the son of God, he's the son of man, he's the life, the resurrection. So these millions of Muslims being told, oh, we love Jesus, just call him a prophet. No, if you love Jesus, you would read this book. If you love Jesus, you would follow him. And that's why I'm showing you this map. Our problem today, is millions, millions, not 10, not a 1,000, millions millions. have never heard that Jesus has come to give them life and give them life abundant. The last thing I want to share about this, most Muslims today get their information about us from television. I came to this country as an international student. So Christmas is Santa Claus, Easter is rabbit season, and you could live in this country four years or six years and never hear the gospel once. Never hear the gospel once. The next slide will show you the ratio between workers and the people they need to reach. For every million Muslims today, we have two workers. And the next slide will show you the number of Muslims now in America because of technology, because of education. They're coming here because of war. Three types of people come here. Immigrants who want to start businesses in America. You have refugees, 65,000 Somali refugees, 65,000 in one city. Minneapolis, Minnesota. Why? Why are you move them from Africa to Minneapolis, Minnesota? What the temperature negative <laughs> twenty? I was in a taxi cab. I said the driver was from Somalia. I said, Hey, do you like Minnesota? He goes, It's very cold. <laughs> then he said to me, But at least it's safe. Sixty-five thousand Minnesota, hundred thousand Muslims in Orlando, Florida, one million in California, seven hundred thousand in Michigan. 50,000 Muslims in Indianapolis, Indiana. 200,000 Muslims in the state of Indiana. They're coming. Who's going to welcome them? Majority of Muslim students never visit a Christian home. One of the young ladies who took the training bridges, she decided to find, to cross the street. Before you cross the ocean, let's cross the, the street. She discovered there's an Egyptian family. They invite her over. They're having Egyptian tea, Egyptian shai. And the lady said to her, you're a nice American. She said, thank you. She said, we've lived in this house for six years. You're the first American to come to our house. Six years. Six years, all we are asking, all Jesus is asking is to cross the street and welcome them. Now when you look at the situation, what is Jesus talking to us? Next slide, please, is what we're going to do in studying Luke chapter 5. If you have your Bible with you, would you turn with me to Luke chapter 5? And if you have it on iPhone, it's okay. You can read the Bible on iPhone. My theology says it's okay. (laughs) When you look at the mess we are in today, I believe that we are paralyzed. It's a beautiful story that I think is applicable for today. Luke 5, verse 17, it says, One day Jesus was teaching, and the Pharisees and teachers of the law were sitting there. They had come from every village of Galilee and from Judea and Jerusalem. And the power of the Lord was with Jesus to heal the sick. Some men came carrying a paralyzed man on a mat and tried to take him into the house to lay him before Jesus. So this man is paralyzed. We don't know how he got paralyzed. Maybe he was born paralyzed. Maybe he was building something and a rock fell on him or a stone fell on him. But he's paralyzed and his buddies, at least four, because each had to carry a corner, said to him, You need to see Jesus. And today, as you look at the news, you think, well, maybe there's another way. Hey, let's throw more money at it. I mean, when you look at Washington, D.C., what do you think? Are we paralyzed or not? I said in Michigan, I was preaching in Michigan, I said, I think, I think Congress needs a prayer meeting. I think the United Nations needs a prayer meeting. I think the war in Syria needs a prayer meeting. I think they're paralyzed, and they're trying to fix it. Let's, let's give them more politics. Let's do, let's do some more money. Let's send them more weapons. That will solve the problem. And Jesus is showing us here these friends are amazing. They said to the paralyzed man, you need to see Jesus. So they take him, they pick him up, they get to the house. Look what the Bible says. When they could not find a way to do this because of the crowd, they went up on the roof and lowered him on his mat through the tiles into the middle of the crowd right in front of Jesus. These These friends were focused. These friends were determined. They knew that the paralyzed person needs Jesus. There's no other hope. In so those days, they would build with stone. My grandma had a house like this one. They would have uh, stone, and uh, it would be like maybe one room or two rooms together, and then they would put beams of wood, and the beams get smaller. I crisscross them until the top, when it's tight, they put dirt, and then if you had the means, you add tile. So these Friends, they did not let anything stop them. They didn't say, well, this is high. We might pick up our friend. He might slip from us and hit his head and die. No, they went up, moved the tiles, dug in the dirt, moved the branches, and lowered him in front of Jesus. Focused, determined. The only hope for this man is Jesus. The only hope for our planet is Jesus. Next verse, verse 20. I love reading the Bible. I love reading it. Sometimes word by word. Sometimes we read it so quickly. Verse 20 is beautiful. Jesus says, the Bible says, when Jesus saw their faith, when Jesus saw their faith, he said, friend, your sins are forgiven. When Jesus saw their faith, my brother and my sister, God is challenging you this morning. Do you have faith that God can change things in your life? Do you have faith that God can change the paralysis in your life? Do you have faith that God can use you to change the paralyzed planet we live in? It's a beautiful text. When Jesus saw their faith, he said, Friend, your sins are forgiven. The Pharisees and the teachers of the law began thinking to themselves, Who is this fellow who speaks blasphemy? Who can forgive sins but God alone? And Jesus knew what they were thinking and asked, Why are you thinking these things in your hearts? Which is easier? Which is easier to say? Your sins are forgiven or get up and walk? Which is easier? Which is you say, hey, buddy, your sins are forgiven. Hey, guys, take them home. Well, if you believe in God, Jesus just pronounced blasphemy. God is going to strike. Or what's easier to go around and say, oh, your sins are forgiven after you just spoken blasphemy? There won't be, uh, get up and walk. There won't be any miracle if you just spoken the blasphemy of forgiving sins. Which is easier. They're both Hard. Because you can't do a miracle without the power of God, and you can't forgive sins unless you are God in the flesh. Next verse, beautiful. Verse 24, Jesus says, But I want you to know that the Son of Man, he uses in the Aramaic Barnash, which is the title of the Messiah from the book of Daniel. Every Jewish person understood what Jesus is saying. Barnash is here. The Son of Man is here. The Messiah is here. So that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. So he said to the paralyzed man, I tell you, get up. Take your mat and go home. Immediately he stood up in front of them. Took what he had been lying on and went home praising God. It was not a um, a semi-healing or a partial healing. He was healed. He picked up the whole thing. Everyone was amazed and gave praise to God. They were filled with awe and said, we have seen remarkable things today. My brother and my sister, God is challenging us today to be that kind of person, like the friend, to look at the situation around us and bring the paralyzed people to Jesus. Whether they're from Muslim background or good old American boys, we need to tell them, you are paralyzed without Jesus. But I'm going to dig a little bit deeper here. What is the one thing today... That's paralyzing you from following Jesus. What is it? Someone said something? Someone messed with your brain? Your self-image? Is it a financial situation? Is it a relationship that's paralyzing you? Is it an addiction? This is a beautiful text for us as believers. To say, Lord, nothing you cannot heal. Now if you're here as a guest, welcome. We love you. But please, don't leave this place without taking Jesus, if you've never taken Jesus as your Savior. Say, I want to follow you. Share with you what God does when we act like the friends. Focused, determined. Next slide will show you, in the last 10 years, more Muslims have become followers of Jesus than the previous 14 centuries. Number one reason, they met an authentic Christian. Number two, they read the Bible in their language. Number three, they saw a vision or a dream of Jesus. Muhammad is a Sunni Muslim. He moves to America. Five blocks from his house is an African American church. So on Friday, he goes to the mosque. On Sunday, he walks five blocks and goes and argues with the Christians and with the pastor. Five years later, he became a Christian. I said to him, why, Muhammad, he became a believer? (laughs) He said to me, I could not get over how much they loved me. Even when I was mean to Jesus, even when I was mean to the pastor. My friend Haytham. Haytham is a Hezbollah fighter. A devout Shia memorized the Quran. He was on a trip, tourist trip, and somebody gave him the Bible in Arabic. He starts reading the Bible. He gets a sermon in the mount where Jesus says, Blessed are the pure in spirit, for they will see God. He said to me, I've read the Bible, I've read the Quran, there's nothing as beautiful as this verse. One year later, he gets baptized. Somebody just gave him a Bible. A couple months ago, I get a call. From a guy I met. He says, Fahad, pray for me. I said, sure. He said to me, I'm resigning from being the president of the Muslim Student Association. I said to him, why? He goes, I became a Christian. I cannot be the president of the Muslim Student Association. <laughs> a classmate gave him a Bible and he started reading. My friend Rames, my friend Rames, Sunni from Egypt. In class, somebody asked him to read the Bible. He started reading the Bible. He had three questions Do Christians worship three gods? He found out no, worship one God. Is the Bible corrupted? And he found out the Bible cannot be corrupted. But the third question he had was Why does Jesus have to die? I met him for the first time in Pizza Hut. We started talking and explained to him why we needed a Redeemer, why Jesus became the sacrifice for us. I said to him, we can pray and take Jesus as your Savior on your own. He said, no, can I pray with you right now? We're at Pizza Hut, and he's praying, saying, Lord Jesus, I want you to be my Savior. God is moving. God is moving when you bring your friend to Jesus, when you bring the situation to Jesus. We're doing this Bible study in Arabic that we just did. We were in a state next to here. I won't tell you the name because I have a good football team. So we're doing a Bible study. We had Egyptians, Jordanians, Syrians, Lebanese. Iraqis, while we're sitting, Abdullah enters, he's a Sunni from Iraq, we're doing the study, when we get to the story, I said to Abdullah, I said, Ab- Abdullah, can a prophet forgive sins? He says, no, only God can, I said, this means Jesus is greater than a prophet, he said, yes, I've been reading the Bible for three months, I believe Jesus is the Savior, I said, to him, would you like to take Jesus as your Savior now? He said, yes, pray with me. You know, I thought I was the only one. I thought I was the first one. No, God has beat me there. Three months, Abdullah was reading the Bible. When you cross the street, before you cross the ocean, when you share with your friend about Jesus, you give him a Bible, you pray with them, God will change things. Hossein al-Din, al-Din did 16 times pilgrimage to Mecca. How many times do I have to go? Once. He did it 16 times and had a vision of Jesus and came forward and took Christ as his Savior God is on the move. i love to share with you testimonies how when we reach out, people will hear. A lady in Damascus, Syria, she's a teacher. She has a good friends with a Sunni teacher. One day the Sunni teacher told her, what do you do when you have problems with your parents? So the Christian lady said, I pray. The Muslim lady said, no, you don't pray. The Christian said, no, yeah, we pray. She goes, no, you guys don't pray. She goes, no, no, we pray. And the Muslim lady said, No, you don't pray. I've never seen you bow towards Rome. How do Muslims pray? They have rituals to do, washing and all that, and then you have to bow towards Mecca. So the lady, the Christian lady said to her, Oh, we pray anytime, anywhere. Jesus says the whole planet is a temple for prayer. So the Muslim lady asked for her Bible. Less than two years later, she was baptized. At her baptism, they asked her, why did you decide to follow Jesus? She said, Jesus says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. I found the friend who will never leave me. I found the friend who will ne- never leave me. God is on the move when we share with them. I shared this story this morning. I'd love to share it again in this session. On a mission trip to Lebanon, we went to Beirut. We had 11 Americans. Now, in America, you get uh, three types of baklava, in Lebanon, we are like 20, 30 types of baklava. So we told the team, hey guys, before we start talking to people about Jesus, let's go get some baklava. So we enter the store, there's baklava everywhere, the smell of sugar everywhere, the Americans are happy, so we eat baklava. Once we're done, I come up to pay and I say to the guy, Salamu alaikum, he said, well, alaikum salam." I say, sir, I want to pay for the baklava. So he looks at me and goes, are you evangelical? How does he know I'm evangelical? What is it, written on my forehead? I said, yes, we're all evangelicals. We're here to pray that God blesses Beirut. So he said to me, the evangelicals are wrong because the Bible has been corrupted. I said to him, astaghfirullah. In Arabic, it means God forgive you for blaspheming, for saying something very bad. He said to me, why are you saying astaghfirullah? I said to him, if all the Christians got together to change the Bible, who will win, God or the Christians? He goes, what would you ask me? I said, if all the Christians got together to change the Bible, who will win, God or the Christians? He said, God will win. I said, so what you just said insults God. No one can change the Bible. He said, yeah, but the Bible is wrong because it says that Jesus died on the cross. Jesus should win. So I said to him, what glorifies God more, to help Jesus escape death or to help Jesus conquer death? He goes, what did you ask me? I said to him, what glorifies God more, to help Jesus escape, run away, or die and raise from the dead? He said to me, well, there's other things around us that glorified God, creation glorifies God. I said, true, there's a lot of things that glorify God, but Jesus is the only leader who said, you kill me and I'll rise on the third day. He looked at me, he goes, Father, I've never heard anything like this. He gave me his business card. He took this book, Is the NG Corrupted? Is the Bible Changed? He has an MBA, owns seven baklava stores. My brother and my sister, my agenda was just to have baklava. I had no agenda. But God's will is we are like the friends who are paralyzed people in our neighborhood. There are paralyzed people in our universities. There are paralyzed people in your community. There are paralyzed people in your work. And you need to be the friend who is focused, who is determined to say, you need Jesus. You need Jesus. We're going to go to prayer. And my challenge for us this morning is that we forget what's around us. And I'm going to ask you to pray this prayer. Lord, what is the one thing you want me to do when I leave this place? What is the one thing? Maybe God wants you to join staff and reach out to Muslims across the street. Maybe God wants you to go overseas, yes. Yes, maybe God wants you and your wife to go serve overseas. Ask your wife tonight, honey, why are we in America? Why are we overseas? <laughs> maybe God just gave you a figure, an amount that you need to give. Maybe you're a businessman. The one thing God wants you to do is be the best businessman and support missions. Maybe there's somebody in your class Who's from Muslim background, and God wants you to talk to him or talk to her, or maybe there's somebody in your family that is paralyzed, and you're just gonna get in the car and drive there and say, "Buddy, you need Jesus." I want to tell the story before we go to prayer. Jesus says, "No one puts his hand to the plow and looks back; is fit for the kingdom of God." You have to have intentional. Focus. My son, when he was eight years old, he joined Little League. Now, I'm from Lebanon. We play soccer. We don't play baseball. I only knew that three strikes, you're out. So, you know, Little League, all these guys with the hats and, you know, bats running everywhere. And thank God my father-in-law coached baseball, so he sat behind me in the bleachers teaching this Arab man the baseball game. So I learned... Uh, Something called double play. That's kind of fun. Uh, Triple play, right? Uh, The one like grand slam. Wow, that's a nice one. Uh, He also told me you can steal second. Uh, But I couldn't understand why you can't steal first. I'm like, you can't steal first? No, you can't steal first. I'm from Lebanon. Can we just steal first? No, you can't steal first. He was a patient sitting behind me. So it was the last game in the season. My son's team was down. And my son comes up to bat. So he's got the baseball, you know, he's... And everyone's like, hey, better, better. You know, don't you love Americans? They tease you. Hey, better, better. Where's my son looking? Where's my son looking? He's watching the baseball. Intentional focus. Some guys are saying, you're going to miss it. Is he watching those guys? He's watching the baseball. Intentional focus. Some guys, yeah, you can do it, little buddy. Is he looking at those guys? No, he's watching the baseball. He knows where his father and mother are sitting. Is he looking at us? No, he's watching the baseball, intentional focus. Some girls are texting and laughing. Is he looking at the girls? (laughs) He's watching the baseball. Bases are loaded. The pitcher throws. My son swings. It's a home run. They win the game. They make his dad proud. My brother and my sister, I'm asking in the name of Jesus, the Messiah, when we go to prayer, say, Lord, give me intentional focus. What is the one thing you want me to do? Maybe God wants you to give your life to Jesus tonight, this morning. Or maybe God wants you to throw off everything that's paralyzing you and run the race. But please, I'm asking you, don't leave this place with the one thing that you will do for Jesus and his kingdom. Shall we pray? sometimes um, we get so busy and we forget that we serve a mighty God sometimes we get so busy and we forget that our life is God's not ours He gave us our talent He gave us our abilities He gave us strength to wake up this morning Heavenly Father, we thank you because we can call you Abba, because of Jesus. Thank you for sending Jesus, your word, to become flesh. Thank you that he was born of the Virgin Mary, lived a perfect life, gave us great teachings, died on the cross for our sin, and rose from the dead for our justification. Lord, we thank you for your Holy Spirit that gives us a passion to love Jesus. Lord, we ask this. We ask that we love Jesus more than stuff and toys and toys. And people and positions that we love Jesus so much. To have compassion for Muslims. To have compassion to our neighborhoods. To have compassion to this planet. Lord, I pray you bless the leadership of this congregation. That you bless us as members. That you use us as we leave this place. To have intentional focus. To bring the paralyzed people to Jesus. Lord, this morning you ask us to bless and not to curse. Father, we pray that you bless Muslim kings and you bless Muslim presidents. Lord, we pray that you bless Muslim fathers and mothers. Lord, we pray that you bless the Muslim little children. Father, we pray that you bless them with the true blessing of knowing Christ as Savior and Lord. In his name we pray. Amen.